You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, September 14th. We're all still feeling really good coming off of week one, right? And now we're days away from a week two divisional clash with the Rams. Joining me to talk all about it is Rob Stats Guerrera. It's the Steph and Stats show. Rob, what are you irrationally skeptical skeptical about today? Did I say that? Skep- skeptical. Yeah. Why does that uh, sound wrong? Skeptical. It's right. Okay. Just one thing? I have to pick one? <laughs> <laughs> okay okay fine what what many things <laughs> i am irrationally skeptical about brandon Ayuk continuing to absolutely oh, cook this on the guy. field he was awesome on sunday he yeah. was fantastic it's a long way to go i like to see him continue that pace because if he if he can then the sky's the limit for this team um, I feel like we can talk about that. Like I, I got a bone to pick with you on that one. So Good. we'll, we'll shelf that one to later in the show. Uh, Cause I just can't with you right now, but uh, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to start our Thursdays off um, with a little throwback, you know, it's throwback Thursday. And this was a segment I used to do a while back when the pod first started. So I'm bringing it back. It's called this week in 49ers history. Um, and so I, I wanted to share this tweet because I, I actually got this little nugget from random 49ers uh, on Twitter or X. Uh, and I, I get a lot of my historical nuggets from them. But this is the one I want to share. So on uh, September 13th, 1980, 49ers quarterback Steve DeBerg was unable to project his voice due to laryngitis in a game against the Cardinals. So the team had to build a loudspeaker contraption that they then attached to his pads that he wore under his jersey. It was kind of like a backpack deal. Um, and there was like a microphone attached to it that he had in his helmet. It looks goofy as hell. Um, and so I was curious what this would look like in a game. So I did try to find like a video of it. I'm not going to show it here just because, you know, I don't want the video to get flagged, but if you guys are also curious, I, I put a link to the video in the description here. So tune into that after this. It was af- actually a NFL on CBS. They posted a video and they interviewed Randy Cross about it. Um, and it it looks as goofy in in like video clips, like game clips, as you would imagine. Like he looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame out there. But uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he didn't get a sack or something like that. Because if I got sacked with this thing on my back, like... Okay, if I got sacked in general at all, I think uh, I think I would just die right then and there. But you know, for him, he was probably really uncomfortable. I would imagine. Like weird stuff happened back in the day in sport. Like this is a, this would never happen today. He strapped a speaker that was three times more powerful than a car stereo to his back and played in a football game. Like what? How is this real? This is wild. You're right. Way, some, some weird things happened back in the day. Steve DeBerg, oldest player ever on a Super Bowl roster, 45 years old. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, you probably remember this, Rob. This is around your time, right? Oh, Steph's got jokes today. <laughs> I see we're starting early. Okay. <laughs> well, Rob, I, I understand you, you had something you wanted to share with the class as well. 
yes, I'm, I'm very excited because I don't think that Kyle Shanahan is getting enough credit. Do you know, Steph, right now, the 49ers are tied for the second longest win streak in franchise history. Right now, they moved into a tie with the 97 49ers with the win on Sunday. If they beat the Rams this week, they'll stand alone. Second longest ever for the franchise. Wow. That's actually impressive. I did not know that. Neither did I. I just wrote about it for our website, goldstandardniners.com. Please go check it out. Shameless plug. And if they win this week, it'll be in the top 10. I believe it'll be the ninth longest win streak in the history of the NFL. Like that's how good the 49ers are. Now this is regular season, of course, but it'll be tied with Washington, the Washington franchise in the early nineties for the ninth longest winning streak in NFL history. What the 49ers are doing right now at this moment. And Kyle Shanahan deserves a ton of praise for that. That's true. I mean, I, I always knew that they had, this sort of dominance against the Rams, but I didn't know it was at this uh, magnitude. And we are going to talk about this matchup coming up on Sunday. And I want to start by talking about the 49ers deciding to wear their red home jerseys on Sunday. (laughs) The game is at SoFi Stadium. It's not a home game, except for the 49ers. It it very well might be. Uh, But this is so disrespectful. To me, I had no idea like a visiting team could even dictate what they could wear on like an, at an away game that I, I hadn't heard of that. Like, did they have to ask the league office for permission? Um, like, what are the Rams going to wear? <laughs> Do they now wear their wagers? How does this work? I have so many questions. Well, yeah, that my, that's my question, because I don't know if the home team, I would assume the home team gets to choose, but it also may be a situation where like, as long as they're not similar, you can wear whatever you want. Like if the Rams wear their home jerseys, the blue, that's not going to confuse the officials or the TV audience if the Niners wear red. So maybe, I don't know how that works. I don't know who gets to pick or what, but I like when they, they you know, the color matchups, they're good. They're cool. So amen to the 49ers. And I like the trolling. So fantastic. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a lot of like color on the screen if the Rams do indeed wear their home jerseys as well. Um, so yeah, it it isn't so much clashing, but it it might uh, might hurt the eyes a little after after a while. But I I do love it. I think it's incredible. And uh, Nick Wagner, ESPN's 49ers beat writer, just tweeted this out: annual SoFi Stadium projection from Vivid Seats for Sunday's game has a current forecast of 64% Niner fans <laughs> and 36% Rams fans. Oh, 64%. I mean, that's not, it's not surprising. It's just like, I guess at this point, it, yeah. Like you laughed right away. As soon as you heard that, it's just funny at this point. Like, it's just a joke. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. And I wouldn't even be surprised if that number for the 49ers increases between now and Sunday, right? Because what happens is you get a lot of fans who, for one, maybe get FOMO. I was having FOMO about not going to this game because I know a lot of 49er fans were going to make it out. But also seeing these stats and seeing that so many 49er fans are going to be there, seeing that the 49ers are going to be wearing their home red jerseys, like it makes me want to go even more. I'm not going to, but I, I think like, it'll just increase the interest for 49er fans to make it out to the game. And 
I don't know. Maybe that's what the 49ers were hoping for. I think, obviously, they were expecting 49er fans to be there, but I think they want to up the ante even more. This has become a thing now. It started with just SoFi with Niner fans taking over the stadium, but now it's just become a thing where, like, we bring the Army with us. There was a Let's Go Niners chant in Pittsburgh last weekend, which the players have talked about. They recognize it. They see it. They feed off of it. I love it. This is awesome. This is such a badass statement by this fan base, and it's freaking great, and I think it does help the team, and SoFi is going to be, I mean, forget it. That's a home game for the 49ers. The the Rams are bringing in the Robo fans, for God's sakes, because they're trying to fill in the seats. Yeah. Shout out Zachary. He says that he's a new sus- subscriber. What's up, Stefan Stats? Big fan. Uh, shout out you, Zach. Uh, Technic Sheik said, did the 49ers do that? I heard the Rams wanted to wear white, so the Niners couldn't wear their away jerseys. Gotcha. That's, why would the Rams do that, though? Like, that's, they're not helping themselves out here. Is there, if that's, that's what happened, I, I don't know why they would decide to do that. So I looked it up. The home team chooses what jersey they want to wear, and the okay. road team responds. So the Rams wanted to wear white, but why would they care? Why would they not want the 49ers to wear their road whites? Is it because the last time they did, Christian McCaffrey had three touchdowns in the game? <laughs> Is that what they're worried about? I don't know. They're trying to change things up and, and hope that'll help. Maybe they have such bad home field advantage that they want their uniforms to match, you know, like maybe, (laughs) maybe if they just think it's a road game, it they'll play a little bit better against the 49ers. Who knows? This is weird though. Um, I've never seen anything like that, but thanks for the, for that little info, uh, technique chic. Um, but I love it. It is Levi South. Everybody knows it. And by the way, for our live viewers on YouTube, there was a poll in the live chat asking you guys, what you thought about the 49ers wearing their home jerseys. So drop a vote. We'll check back on the results later. Um, so Rob, like I was going to ask you, like, do you think the 49ers are jinxing themselves? But like, I, I don't think that's even a thing now because if it wasn't their choice originally to do this, um, you know, are the Rams trying to jinx the 49ers? Like, could- I think it's in their heads. I mean, it's eight straight games in the regular season that the 49ers have beaten the Rams. Yes, I know they won the NFC Championship game, and credit to them, that's fine. But I think it's in their heads that that Kyle Shanahan owns the Rams. Remember Sean McVay in the end zone celebrating when the Rams were up in Week 18 a couple years ago? Like, it means a lot, and I think they're trying to do whatever they can to try and get a win, and uh, I don't think it's going to help because the 49ers are really good at football and the Rams are not. I don't care that they won in week one. That's kind of crazy, though, because it seems like they're already going into this, like, like they're thinking about it too much. Like, And that is probably a good sign for the 49ers. Um, look, I, I do kind of feel like, okay, both of these teams won in week one. I think it's possible that maybe both teams feel – possibly too good after their respective week one wins. They both beat their opponent by almost the same amount. The Rams did it without Cooper cup. So they should have some reason to feel good about themselves after week one. But for that same reason, like I think the 49ers looked focused in week one and I think they'll be focused in this game too. I don't think any of this is going to be a distraction to them. And the fact that again, it's going to be a majority 49ers crowd on the road 
it hits a little different, you know, like it means something. You you don't want to let these people down that traveled all this way <laughs> to see you. Um, you want to play harder for them. And I almost see it as like a little, a little 12th man, you know, at this point, but it's like a 12th man on the road, which is crazy because I don't know if there's any other team in the NFL who has this type of advantage. Nick Bosa yesterday speaking to reporters said that, he thinks the 49ers have the best traveling fans in all of the NFL. Right. So I, I think that's definitely true. And look, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to mess around in this game. And I think it's because like it involves one of his former disciples, right? He always throws the book at Sean McVay, but I think it's because like he respects McVay so much and all of his, all of the guys who have learned under him he knows how smart they are. They've literally learned everything they know through working with Kyle Shanahan. So I think Kyle feels like he does have to, you know, up the ante every time that uh, they play. And so he can't be predictable. He's not predictable. I mean, we saw that in the week eight game uh, when Christian McCaffrey went off and he even had a passing touchdown. Right. So, um, <laughs> I, I think we're going to see new wrinkles in this one. And by the way, this is the first time this Rams team has played Brock Purdy. They haven't yep. gone up against Brock Purdy yet. And I think like any time a team plays Brock for the first time, there there maybe is a bit of a shock or just like you don't realize how good he is until you have to play against him kind of thing. Like, yeah, you, you might see it on tape, but I think a lot of teams, a lot of players, Patrick Peterson, for example, think <laughs> like, oh, I – I can get an interception on this guy. He's nothing special. And then, you know, he does what he does. Well, not only that, too. I think they underestimate him athletically. And perfect example is the scramble he had at the end of the Steelers game. Two Steelers players practically crash into each other and Brock splits them. That only happens because you don't properly estimate how fast somebody is running. Like they, they just didn't realize he was as quick as he is. He's very quick as a runner. I think that Shanahan, like you said, he wants to, he respects Sean McVay, but he also wants him to know, like, I'm the daddy, you're <laughs> the little boy. Yes, you're smart, but everything you know, you learn from me and I'm going to show it to you. And I, I just think that they're going to put it on him. I really do. I think it's going to be a whooping. Yeah, I, I think so too. So yeah, McCaffrey in that week eight game, we know that crazy stat line. It was 94 rushing yards one rushing touchdown, 55 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown, and the 34-yard touchdown pass. And Debo did not play in that game, by the way. But if you remember what Debo did in week four, he had 115 yards, and 105 of them came after the catch. It was his highest yak output of the 2022 season against the Rams. So this Rams team, once again, has not played against Brock Purdy, and they haven't had to face Debo and Christian McCaffrey on the same team yet. So I think, I think that is going to be a big factor in this game because again, it's, it's very much pick your poison. We see often, or we see opposing defenses struggle against like having to choose who to focus on. I I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Tomlin and Terrell Austin spoke endlessly about how important it was to stop Christian McCaffrey in that game on Sunday, but it did not matter. You know why? Because Christian McCaffrey is that good. And also <laughs> the, the rest of the team is also very good. And I think another thing that we see in this game that we didn't see last week actually is the yak because 
last week was probably their lowest yak that they've ever had. I think that's something Nick Wagner said as well. It was like the lowest yak they've had in the game since, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan joined the team in 2017, which is crazy. They're finding different ways to win. I think against the Rams, though, they're going to go to what works against the Rams. And I don't see the Rams defense being good enough to stop the 49ers and, and their yak and being able to stop these guys in space. So I think we're going to see plenty of that on Sunday. I think the plan for the Niners is going to be, you know, to exploit the yak. But the Niners have led the NFL in yards after reception every year since Kyle Shanahan has been the head coach defenses, I think are starting to adjust to that, but also Brock doesn't take the singles. He looks for the doubles. So I think there's a lot of times where like guys are open shorter, but Brock is looking beyond them. He's looking deeper down the field. And you mentioned that stat from Nick Wagner, just 2.74 yards after catch per completion. That was second lowest in the NFL and the second lowest uh, yak by the Niners in the Shanahan era. I think Brock is bringing a different aspect to this offense that they haven't shown teams before. And that is we will go down the field. I think he was like 10 of 12 or 10 of 13, uh, 10 plus yards down the field. So he's attacking in a different way, which is great for the 49ers because if you do the different thing than the team is expecting you to do, chances are you're going to be successful. Yeah. But Okay, Rob, we've, we've spent the last few days talking and thinking about all of the good things that have happened, you know, this this past week. Um, and so not to take a turn to negative town, this isn't being negative, I'm the but mayor. there there are some room, there is some room for improvement with this team, right? Kyle Shanahan on Wednesday when speaking to the media said it wasn't the team's best performance. And he pretty much said, watch the tape, Bozo, if you don't agree with me. Um, no, he didn't actually say that, but <laughs> he did say the the tape as the the reason why he felt that way so in particular he didn't like the way the team ended the first half and you know that Kyle loves to double dip on points if he has that opportunity in which he gets the ball in the second half he likes a score coming out of the second half so why don't we score as well before the end of the first half so they had that opportunity to score at the end of the half they couldn't sustain that drive they gave the ball back to the Steelers and the Steelers had their only scoring drive of that game so you know I think Kyle was a little disappointed with that sequence he probably felt and I don't blame him that the Steelers shouldn't have had any points in this game Um, but one of the other things that he talked about was uh, switching the nickel corner mid-game. And cool. for those of you unaware, talk. it was Mooney Ward and Diamador Lenore on the outside on base downs. But when they went into their nickel package, Lenore then moved inside. He was a slot corner. And then Ambry Thomas then played on the outside. But when asked why they switched to Isaiah Oliver mid-game, Kyle said, Things dictate the change. We thought they'd all play in the game, but stuff happened in the game that had us adjust. Stuff that's between me and our team. Just watch the film. You might be able to figure it out. Stuff I can't say. Sorry. End quote. Okay, (laughs) Uh, Ambry Thomas. Gulp. Right. Well, like, originally... I thought that Amber Thomas was pulled from the game because he was in the concussion protocol. Like that's what Kyle said after the game. And maybe, maybe it was a little of both. Like maybe they weren't happy with how he played. And then this, you know, him going into the concussion protocol gave him the opportunity to switch him out. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Not great for Ambry, it, but not great for the nickel position and this defense in general because, like, this uncertainty and this back and forth at the nickel spot has been happening since camp. And it's uh, it's starting to make me uneasy a bit because, I like, it. we're heading into week two, and I don't know if we have any idea who's really going to start at nickel on Sunday. It's, like, flavor of the week at this point. Kwan Williams ain't walking through that door. Um, <laughs> It's been a sore spot for the Niners for a while. Last year, they got absolutely cooked on slot fades that other teams would just put their number one receiver in the slot on the nickel corner. And it was just like guaranteed completion. It's it's frustrating for sure, because I think that's a, a place teams can take advantage of. I think the Niners are just banking on the pass rush, being able to get there enough of the time to where, yeah, you may get some but it's not going to be the thing that costs us the game because our pass rush is just too good. At least I think that's the hope. Yeah. And, and that's fair. Like the defensive line looked great on Sunday. I expect they're going to be able to make uh, Stafford uncomfortable much of the game. Um, but you know, it's, it's still not something you want to go into a game with not knowing and, or just like not feeling totally confident about either guy you put out there. It, it really doesn't feel like the 49ers are super confident in Thomas or Oliver right now. And it's really just like, Oh man, he's, he's not playing well. All right. Put the other one in and see if he can <laughs> get back and, and do, do a little bit better this time. You know, I, I do think that at some point Isaiah Oliver does show what the 49ers signed him for, or like they thought he was the best corner or nickel corner that was available in free agency, but he hasn't shown that yet. I think at some point he'll, he'll show that he'll, he'll get back to his, um, you know, high, high plane days, but right now until that happens, I don't feel great about it. And, Hopefully it doesn't last too much longer than, than week two. Hopefully he figure, figures it out soon. But I Rob. Was, yes. Yeah. Good. Oh, I was going to say, I always feel like whenever you have a rotation of guys at a position, it means you don't have a guy, right? We talk exactly. about it with quarterbacks all the time. The same thing applies to other positions. If you're saying, ah, put the other one in, that means they both stink because they're interchangeable. <laughs> exactly. And that's a problem. And and I knew that right like when the when the 49ers said during camp yep. that oh like there's a lot of competition at the nickel spot. What that really translated to was Isaiah Oliver sucks right now. <laughs> like we yeah. we can't trust him out there. So we gotta we gotta pivot. Um You're right. They they and, signed him to be like their big signing in the one yeah. of their big signings in the offseason. And then Shanahan, like two weeks into camp, was like, he's not a guaranteed starter. He's <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah, and, and so that's concerning too, because like they're they're putting a lot of trust, or they put you know a lot of trust and investment into Isaiah Oliver, and it's not panning out so far. Hopefully, it does. Nick Ellert said, "Pretty sure I just heard Steph say pick six for Oliver this weekend." <laughs> I freaking hope so. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm. I hope hope I'm jinxing Oliver in like the right direction, right? So hopefully, we see something good out of Oliver this week. But Rob, on a scale of one to 10, how worried are you about the right side of the 49ers offensive line? I would say seven to eight, because like this is not we kind of all thought this was how it could go. Right. I mean, and not just Colton McKivitz at right tackle, but also Spencer Burford at right guard. I think McKivitz allowed five pressures and Burford allowed four like Burford 
you know, he's not really that good. And you can't have an entire side of your offensive line be suspect when it comes to pass protection. The Niners are very lucky that Brock Purdy, number one, is as mobile as he is. And number two is as good going and as comfortable going to his left away from those people and all the trouble that's happening there. But look, it's going to be a thing all year long. TJ Watt, we saw in week one, terrorized the 49ers. And yeah, he's really good, right? Well, guess what? They still have Micah Parsons on the schedule. They still have Miles Garrett on the schedule. They still have uh, Hassan Reddick on the schedule. Like there are multiple good pass rushers that are going to be there. It's going to be, I don't want to say every week, but most of the time there's going to be someone there that can be a game wrecker. So the Niners have to get that short up. It doesn't have to be great, but you can't be getting killed there all the time. Uh, Colton McKivitt said that it's easy fixes for him based on what he saw on the tape. I really hope that's true. But he he needs those easy fixes um, on Sunday. And so you said it earlier, K1 Williams isn't walking through that door. Well, Daniel Brunskill isn't walking through that door this week oh, for the man. 49ers. And that's really who they leaned on every time they went up against Aaron Donald against the Rams last year. And he didn't have any sacks against the 49ers last year in both of those games. Um, he produced just five pressures between both of those games. So pretty good job last year uh, the 49ers did in in defending against Aaron Donald and what he's able to do. Uh, so hopefully they can use some of that and some of what they learned in those games and, you know, apply it to Sunday. But yeah, it, it is a bit concerning. Spencer Burford, he had the three, uh, you know, penalties as well. Yes. Colton McKivitz, of course. Like, I, I think I'm with you that I'm I'm probably like seven-ish concerned. Um, but I'm not at 10 yet. And the reason is because I think a lot of tackles would have struggled against TJ Watt. Everyone struggles against TJ Watt. He's so good. Yes. Um, but... I think this is another big test for both of those guys because it's it's like you said, it's not really going to get any easier for them. They have a lot of tough matchups to go. I do think that mm-hmm. with time, the two of them are going to, you know, gel and, and the continuity and the chemistry is just going to continue to grow. But until we see it, you might get these little, you know, it, you know, bad plays here and there, some penalties here and there, some pressures given up here and there. We just have to roll with the punches a little bit. The good thing is that the 49ers, despite that side of the line not being 100%, despite their offensive line being ranked like what? I think I saw them ranked at like 24 or something based on their week one performance. Despite that, they were still able to put up 30 points and Brock Purdy's still for the most part looked good. He was able to scramble and escape the pocket when he needed to. You don't want to see those fumbles um, like we saw in week one, but you know, I think overall the 49ers are good enough to maybe work around the uh, right side of the offensive line. I mean, they, they literally ignored that side of the line when it, came to running the football. I, I almost wonder if they'll try the opposite and try to run right at Aaron Donald this week. That could be, uh, cause you're not going to be able to live like that the whole season. Like you're going right, to have exactly. to find a way to, to find some sort of balance when it comes to that area. You're so positive. Like, Oh yeah. Spencer Burford, you know, he'll get it worked out. Maybe he just sucks. Maybe, well, maybe this is as good as Spencer Burford can do. I don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying, I'm not sure. And it could be a problem. It could be a worry. 
you know, Tim Kawakami had a, a column in the athletic uh, that he just put up where he talks about the $40 million in cap space. The 49ers have right now. And he all, but says in the column, like they are willing and ready to make a trade this season to bring in somebody, whether it's McKivitz at right tackle, maybe it's a right guard. He even threw out Tristan Wirfs as a possibility. He mentioned the possibility of giving up first round draft picks. So I think it's going to be kind of a quick hook in that situation. I think the Niners will look to act quickly uh, if they feel like it's not going to get any better. Yeah, I, I find that crazy because, like, it feels like the 49ers do have a lot of trust in Colton McKivitz. And, you know, it is just week one. I saw a lot of fans saying, you know, I'm done with Colton McKivitz. Experiment over. Like, let's let's get someone in ASAP. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't think the 49ers are there yet. So they're going to see how he does. They're going to see if he improves. But I think you're right. Like if he doesn't show improvements and the 49ers are in this spot where, you know, they know they can go far, but that's really the only thing that's in the way for them. Yeah, they won't hesitate to make that move because they have the money. Why do you, I mean, that's the reason I think they freed up all this money. If they don't use it and everything works perfectly well this year with the guys that they have and they don't need it, roll it into next season, use it on Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it's a win-win. They could use this money however they want, and it's it's a lot of uh, uh, power for them right now. It's a nice ace up their sleeve. So I, I do feel good that they at least have a plan B. But here's the thing. At one time, the 49ers themselves said, Colton McKivitz isn't even good enough to be on this roster. He was Who's cut. That? He was cut by the 49ers. He was released by the 49ers. Now yeah, he's but... starting right tackle. Has he improved that much between getting cut and now being the unquestioned starter at right tackle? We've gotten we've gotten like mixed uh mixed uh, things from how this team feels about Colton McKivitz because at the same time the the team and this was like widely reported they were interested or they they were willing to trade uh McGlinchey last year which mm-hmm. would have made Colton McKivitz the starter, which means they were comfortable with that um, if if they can get a good offer on McGlinchey. So I don't know. And and then next the next following season, they make him the starting right tackle. Uh, I, I think they believe in him. Uh, sure, like at some point they down the line or in the past they cut him, but cut him. You <laughs> you all, I mean, him. but like you can only keep fifty through guys. We talk about so much how there's guys who, when they first get on this roster, like or before roster cuts, um, they look good and you want to keep them around. You have to make that tough decision of cutting them, and then you bring them back on the practice squad, like. It happens all the time. And those guys who make it to the practice squad eventually become starters for this team. It's sometimes not all the time, but I think if they traded McGlinchey, they would have used whatever return they got to help them replace McGlinchey. I don't think it would have been Colton. If they didn't didn't like Colton McKivitz, if they didn't believe in Colton McKivitz, they would have used a a draft pick on a tackle. That's fair. That's fair. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that. And it, I, it, I mean, to me, it's one of those things that like, eh, like, I don't know. I, I would have hedged my bets a little bit and I would have, you know, wanted to bring in a tackle. It was a pretty solid tackle class, I thought. But in any case, Colton McKivitz is the starting right tackle. We'll see how he does in week two. Hopefully we see some improvements because according to Colton, 
easy fixes for him, easy fixes. So we just got to believe that. But another thing, Rob, that I'd like to see the 49ers improve on this week are penalties. They actually had 11 penalties um, on Sunday. And while it didn't impact the game at all, I think that's something Kyle's going to want to clean up for this team going into week two and beyond. And, you know, these last few years, the team has actually been a pretty, you know, good team, not making those kind of mistakes. They, they play clean football for the most part. I think their average, um, I'm trying to find a stat for their average. I think last year was like about six, um, penalties a game and then the year before that I think uh a little higher or lower but around there as well so you know th- I think that's something they will improve it's week one so there's always some things to clean up uh but yeah hopefully as soon as week two because I, I don't think this is a trap game but when you make mistakes, you're always susceptible to giving the uh, the team on the other side an opportunity to um, take advantage. Right. It was weird. Like on the one hand, I want to be like, look, the 49ers, you know, they had all those penalties. Like you mentioned, they had the two fumbles. Like you mentioned, they had multiple sacks and you're like, it didn't matter. They blew the Steelers out 30 to seven. But at the same time, like you're not going to be impervious to those things all year long. I think week one was a weird game in that way that there were a number of things that didn't go the Niners way, but it seemingly didn't matter. But I think the best thing that happened to San Francisco was that the Rams whooped up on the Seahawks because instead of sauntering into this game, like, oh, it's Le- it's uh, Levi's South. It's our house. We always beat the Rams. The Rams, you know, they're tanking. They got whooped by the Seahawks in week one. It's like, no, no, no. The Rams just put the whipping on a team that we think is going to be our biggest competition in the division. So now I don't think you have a letdown. I don't think that you know, that's there. I think everybody's ears are kind of perked up and you heard Kyle, you mentioned the comment where he basically threw out the laundry list of things that the 49ers did wrong. I think that was Kyle trying to avoid the letdown. You know, there's two ways to motivate a mule. So they say you got the carrot and you got the stick. And when you think you're going to get the carrot, go to the stick. And when you think you're going to get the stick, that's when you go sweet and you go to the carrot. Kyle's going to the stick this week and he's laying it out there. (laughs) Hey, we got to get better at this, that, and the other thing. Because he wants to go and whoop McVeigh. For the audio listeners, what was that uh, little thing you just did? There you go. <laughs> the whooping. The stick is coming out for That's week right. two. Um, okay, I, I, I do want to ask you this because, yes, like, yeah, the, the Rams played against the Seahawks, and I think a lot of people thought they were going to take – another step this year certainly I thought their defense was going to be improved it very well still could be again it's just week one 49ers lost week one last year as well it's not Mm -hmm. an indication of how a team is going to play all season but I just want to ask you who do you think is the better team the Rams or sorry the the Seahawks or the Steelers right now Mm, I would say it's close. I would say the Seahawks, I guess. I guess. Although the Seahawks defense stinks. It stinks. <laughs> and they're worse against the run this year because they lost their best run defenders. So I, I, Gino's better than Pickett. I think that's yes. pretty I think Pickett yeah, stinks. Uh, and Matt Canada stinks as an offensive coordinator too. So I guess I'd give the edge to the Seahawks, but it's pretty close. 
Yeah, probably the the Rams offense is better, but their defense is so much worse. Um, So I think that's why we saw the Rams have so much success um, on Sunday. So and that's why I feel like, you know, the Rams could potentially be going into this game with some false hope. They they won week one and they did it in, you know, impressive fashion. They did it without Cooper Cup. They they look and feel great. But now they have to play the 49ers. And I think it, the reality check is coming. And the fact that, you know, really the roster is not very good outside of, you know, maybe Stafford and Aaron Donald. I do like Puka Nakua. Tutu Atwell also played well. They looked good. But, you know, I think the discrepancies in the roster, in particular, when you look at the 49ers offense and you look at the Rams defense as a whole, I think that's where we're really going to see the discrepancy between both of these two rosters. And so I think, you know, 49ers, Kyle Shanahan should be able to handily beat the Rams in this one. Um, I want to ask you, Rob, of the players who looked great in week one, who would you bet can keep it up in week two? I think the safest bet is Christian McCaffrey. I just think he can do too many things to not have an effect on the game. Like you may stop him as a runner, but then he's going to catch seven or eight passes as a receiver and make plays that way. Or you may prevent him from catching passes and he's going to gash you up the middle on some of these runs. I just think that he's too versatile to totally contain and Shanahan knows too many ways to get him open to, to put him in a position to succeed. I, I think so too. That is a safe bet. I'm going to go with Brock Purdy. I mean, we haven't seen him look bad enough that the 49ers like are in danger of losing a game because of him. Right. So I, I think Brock Purdy is going to be able to evade any pressure that the Rams may or may not, you know, bring to the right side of the 49ers offensive line. And I, I think he's going to be able to get the, ball to his guys in space in and in, in stride and I think it's going to lead to a lot of chunk plays for this team so I would bank on that one I do want to ask you at this point though what's your beef with Brandon Ayuk all right you said that he had a great week one game and now you're like I, I, you're skeptical that he can keep this up why is that what what is your reason I don't have any beef with Brandon Ayuk but I just pointed out to people he had a career high in yards last week. Like he's literally never had a game like that in his career. And, you know, people like John Chapman are sitting there. I don't want to hear any Ayuk skepticism. Niner for life. For life. Whoa. Let's slow down here. If we're going to keep this guy on the team, he's not going to be cheap, right? He's going to cost a lot of money. We already have a high-paid wide receiver in Debo Samuel. Let's not rush to sign Brandon Ayuk to a contract just yet. Remember, this guy's got 1,000-yard yeah. season in his career. Right. One. And granted, I get it. Okay. Before you all shout at me, I understand he's been held back by the quarterback. He's been held back by the fact that there's so many mouths to feed. I get it. But you don't pay a guy for hypothetical production. You pay him for what he actually does produce for you in your system on your team. So if Brandon, I just goes on to have like another year, like he did last year, I don't pay him. Cause I think that level of production you can replace if he's, going to play like he did in week one every single week or close to it. That's a totally different story. So all I'm saying with Brandon Ayuk is just let it play out. That's it. I know that's crazy for some people, right? Because if you're not a cheerleader, then you're a hater. But that's where I am with Brandon Ayuk. 
Now, you know, I just like to give you a hard time, but here's what I think about Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I I do feel like this week one game was just an encapsulation of what he has been working towards this whole time. And I think also it shows that Brock Purdy and Ayuk have been working on that connection this offseason. And I think for what we mentioned earlier, you know, Brock Purdy is a guy who's willing to hit those doubles, right? Those doubles are normally like the Ayuk routes and or, you know, just targeting Ayuk to begin with. And even with Ayuk maybe being like the fourth option much of the time, he went over a thousand yards last year. I think that's just his potentially his floor this year. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think he can improve and build on last year. Um, And again, I think week one was an indication of that because he's so good. It's just a matter of, okay, who's going to give him the ball when he gets hoping there were so many times that we watched the game over last year, right? We watched games over where IU got open so many times and he was just left, uh, you know, without the ball. It's like, what are you doing out there? Now with Brock Purdy, I think you're going to see Ayuk get the ball more often because he is going to be a guy who's going to get open and Ayuk's going to, I mean, Purdy's going to be a guy who's willing to give him the ball or will actually see him because he goes through his progressions um, and, you know, pretty fast as well. So yeah, I think Ayuk's going to have a better season. I do think the 49ers will sign him to an extension. Um, Speaking with the 49ers cap guru, Jason Hurley, he has mentioned many times that he thinks 49ers can afford Ayuk and Debo. Now, I don't know if that will last the entirety of both of their contract extensions, right? Probably not. But I think for at least the first two years um, of Ayuk's extension, hypothetical extension, they could afford to keep both of them. So I think they extend Ayuk. And if I'm the 49ers, I probably want to do it sooner than later. I know they like to wait till the end of the season, but so that's my take. I, I I think it's fair that you want to wait to see what he can do, but you run the risk. If you're the 49ers, you run the risk of him blowing up this year and then you're having to pay him, you know, top, top three wide receiver money potentially. Well, here's the thing, right? If you look at the franchise cap numbers for this year, wide receivers at almost $20 million. I think it's like 19.7. So any contract that you sign with him, he's going to get $19.7 million because there's no way his agent's going to sign a deal that doesn't give him that money because he would just refuse to sign anything and then get franchise tax. So are you telling me Brandon Ayuk is worth essentially $20 million a year? Right now, based on what he's done, I would say no. That's why I want to wait, right? Because if he's but that's why or, that's why you should want to get the deal done like sooner. I don't think the 49ers will, but I'm just saying, like, I I would I would have wanted it to get done sooner because like I think he's going to play beyond what he's showing you now. So I think based on now, you can probably sign him to a cheaper contract than you would at the end of the season. So that that's all I was saying. I don't know. I think I think that number, that franchise tag number being out there, that's the starting point, no matter what. Now, the rest of the contract, like you're saying, probably gets more expensive um, if they wait. You want them to do like the Gr- Dre Greenlaw thing and just like yeah, all of a sudden yeah. just lock them up and you're like, wait, we got we, Greenlaw. Week two, what? extension. <laughs> <laughs> it could be done. Like there's no rule against it, 49ers. Feel free. I 
I'm just saying. So, uh, but yeah, okay. We talked about players who looked good in week one, who can continue that. Of the players who didn't look so great in week one, who do you think has the best chance of bouncing back in week two? This is going to sound mean, and I don't mean it to, but I think it's Nick Bosa. I think, but why watch Bosa? When I rewatched, but he didn't look like himself. He, he wasn't fine. bad because I mean, it's Nick Bosa, but yeah. he's going to be a monster this week. Nick yeah. Bosa dominates the Rams in his career. Seven total games against the Rams, 16 quarterback hits, six and a half sacks, eight tackles for loss. Now that he's back and he's played a game and he's had a whole week of practice, I think Nick Bosa is going to look like the defensive player of the year, which he did not look like in week one. Yeah, I think that's a great one. And I I would agree. I I don't even fault him for how he looked in week one. I mean, I think we kind of all expected that. Um, I do expect him to get you know, all the snaps in, in week two. And I think he is going to be very disruptive with it, but I'll go somewhere else. Since he said Bosa, I will go with, uh, I don't know if I could count Debo Samuel because I mean, Debo didn't have a bad game. I just yeah, think he he's good. I, I, th- I just think he's going to have a better game in week two. I'll, I'll say Colton McKivitz because I think I, there's a bit of manifestation trying to trying to happen uh-huh. here, right? I got to manifest it. So I'm saying that Colton McKivitz is going to have a better week two than he did in week one. And and I we got to prey on it, right? <laughs> a low bar, Steph. <laughs> well, I mean, a- any improvement is improvement, okay, Rob? So I think we'll take it, whatever we can get. Look, I mean... I ain't going to turn it away. I'll tell you that. Um, just don't be a train wreck. That's the thing. Just don't be a train wreck. And I think the combination of Kyle's blocking, Kyle's play calling, Brock's mobility will be enough to get you through. You just can't let them wreck the game. And also, I want to point out, too, the game script was in the Niners' favor all game on Sunday. But they made it, they made it so. Yes. The way they started the game. If that changes and the Niners have to pass a little more, drop back pass a little more, then Colton McKivitz becomes a much bigger problem. But if the Niners are winning, you know, up by a couple scores or winning at least, like, that changes. Your worry with that spot, I think, changes. At least mine does. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Rob, one last question uh, before we head out of here. Did you watch the 49 Hours video that the 49ers put out? last night i did not watch it i well i watched like the very very end of it with kyle shanahan in the locker room afterwards but i didn't watch the whole thing okay so it it was a really great video for any of you that didn't watch it um i i was ready to run through a wall by the end of it so there's that but i did want to ask you if you saw the clip of kyle shanahan going up to brock purdy after the game and you know, yes. he, he okay. Uh, and for those of you who didn't, sorry, audio uh, listeners, y- you guys won't see what I'm showing you, but check out the video. It's towards the end of the video, so you might know what I'm talking about. Uh, they're in the locker room, and Kyle Shanahan goes to uh, congratulate Brock Purdy on the great game that he had. And it is so awkward. Shout out to to Jesse for pointing this out. He said, Kyle is so awkward and showing love to Brock at the end of the video. You can tell it is unnatural for him. Um, so, I mean, what do you think? The, does, is this awkward to you, this interaction between uh, Brock and Kyle at the end of this 
So I actually saw Jesse's tweet yesterday. That's how I saw the end of this video. I didn't think it was awkward to me. Like what's he, he gives him like the back, the back pat and he kind of goes in for like the hug, you know, the man hug. people do. I didn't think it was that bad. What's awkward about it to you? Maybe I'm missing it. I don't, I don't know if I thought it was awkward, but what I did think and what I got from it was like, man, I love this. I love him so much. Like when he does like the little shoulder yeah. thing and then like he tries to hold himself back almost like, oh, got to be professional. Let me just give him a handshake. Like, I don't know. It just felt uh, like he's not. I feel like Kyle's not even used to this, to having like this much love uh, for his quarterback. You know, like he's he's so stoked. I think it's cool, though. I think it's cool that Kyle like feels this way about Brock. And I, I think you can see it, too, in in how he calls plays for him you know, things like that. I, I think they see the game very uh, similarly. And I think that's what has, you know, grown their connection. I think that Kyle Shanahan has the quarterback that he's always wanted. A guy that he can trust, that'll put the ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, plus give you the added element of mobility and scrambling that they were hoping to get with Trey Lance. I feel like they think they've got it with Brock. And I, I think he is so excited. If you gave Kyle Shanahan the truth serum, I think (laughs) we're going to mop the floor with the league this year. Yeah, I I think so, too. And I I don't blame him for feeling that way because week one, I think, was a good performance. I think, again, like I said, we'll see it in week two. Um, Let me check on the poll results for, uh, you know, the poll that I had here will be. Do, the, do you like the 49ers wearing their home jerseys at SoFi slash Levi South? 96% of you said, yes, it's our house. And 4% of you said, no, it could come back to bite them. But now we know it wasn't the 49ers choice anyway. Yep. So I think that does help. It's not like they're jinxing themselves. If anything, the Rams could be jinxing themselves. So um, I'm excited for this game. We'll talk about it here. Me and Rob next Thursday morning. But for now, have a good rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.